In this video, we're going to look at different types of orders that you can place when you trade stocks. We're then going to look at margin trading. Margin trading is the situation in which you, the investor, borrow either money or stock from the brokerage to trade in your account. Now, I think everyone is familiar with the concepts of buying and selling a stock. You can buy a new stock, or you could buy more shares in a stock that you already own. And you can sell shares in a stock that you already own. What you may be less familiar with is the idea of selling shares of a stock that you do not own. This is called short selling. So short selling allows an investor to sell a stock they do not own. This is good because it enables investors to profit from a decline in a stock's price. So suppose a stock is trading at $10 at the moment, but you expect that stock to decline in price over the next week. You could short sell the stock today. So you sell the stock that you don't own and you get the $10 today. And then the hope is that the stock price does decline in the future so that next week you can buy the stock back at a cheaper price. So how do you sell a stock that you don't own? Well, the first thing you've got to do, you've got to borrow a share of stock from a broker. Once the broker has agreed to lend you a share, you then sell that share of stock. That gives you some income today because you've sold the share, so you get the money from the sale. At a later date, maybe a month or a week later, you have to purchase a share of the same stock in the market. And then you have to return that stock to the broker, along with any dividends that were paid during the period that you borrowed the stock. So if the price goes down after you sold the borrowed stock, you're going to make a profit when you buy the stock back at a lower price. So that is the idea of short selling. We're going to look at this in more detail later on in the lecture. Now let's consider all the different types of order that you can place in the market. We have two main types of order. We have price-based orders and time-based orders. If we think about price-based orders first, the most common order for individual investors is probably the market order. This is where you trade at the best price possible as soon as possible. But there are also other types of orders. We have limit orders in which there is some price constraint on the order. And we have stop buy or stop loss orders. Again here there is a price constraint on the order. When we consider time-based orders, you'll often hear terms like fill or kill, market on open or market on close orders. Fill or kill means you place the order and the market maker has to agree to trade immediately or not at all, and they have to trade the full amount of your order. You can place the market on open, which means buy, buy the stock at the opening price or as close as you can get to the opening price each day. 
And then on close, similarly, you buy the stock at the closing price or as close to the closing price as you can get. The time-based orders are fairly intuitive, as are market orders. What are less intuitive may be limit and stop orders. So let's consider those now. With both limit and stop orders, we have conditions about the price. So suppose we have a stock and that stock is trading at $26. If we place a limit buy, that means we will buy the stock if the price falls below a certain limit. So we have a limit buy here. So if we think about our example where the stock is trading at $26, the limit buy says that the price must fall below a certain limit before we buy. So a limit buy might be placed at $25. This would mean that if the price fell to $25, you would buy the stock. Now we also have limit sales. And limit sales mean that if the price goes above a certain limit, we sell the stock. So again, if we think about our example, we could have a limit sell. It's important to note that the limit buys and the limit sells do not guarantee the price at which you will trade. They just say that if the price hits 25, your order will be placed to the market. And then it's down to what price the market is at at the time your order reaches the market. And there are some delays. It takes time to transmit orders around the world or around the country. But you'd hope that if you place a limit buy at $25, your trade should be ex if the price hits $25, your trade should be executed very close to $25. Now let's consider stop orders. If we've bought a stock and we don't want to monitor the price of that stock, but we want to get rid of the stock if it starts to fall in price, what we could do is place a stop-loss sell. And a stop-loss sell order means that if the price of a stock falls below a certain limit, you will sell the stock. So the name makes sense. It's stopping your losses. You bought the stock, say at $26, and then the price fell to $25. If you have a stop-loss sell at $25, it means that you sell at, at as soon as the price hits $25 and it stops your losses. You can't lose any more money. In our example above, we could place, if we bought the stock, we could place a stop loss sell at $25. And that would limit our losses if the price fell. Now we also have a stop buy. And the stop buy says that if the price goes above a certain limit, buy the stock. Now this makes sense, or the name makes sense, if you think about taking a short position on the stock. If we take a short position on a stock, so we short sell the stock, we profit if the price goes down. If the price goes up, we start to make losses. And so the way we can limit our losses, or stop our losses, is to place a stop buy order. So suppose we've short sold a stock at 
we could place a stop buy order at $27. And that would mean that if the price went up, which we didn't want to happen, and it hits $27, then we will automatically buy the stock so that we can return that stock to the broker and our losses are minimized. We have now covered all the common order types. So if you were to log in to a brokerage account online, if you select a stock and try to trade that stock, you normally see a lot of different options for buying and selling. You should now be able to understand all those different options and know what they are. Now let's consider the transaction costs associated with trading a stock. There are lots of things that go on when we trade stocks. First of all, we have to pay commissions to brokerages to execute trades. We also may have to pay custodial fees to institutions so that they can hold the securities on deposit rather than passing the securities back to us. So that makes our lives easier. We may also have to pay transfer fees to transfer the ownership of stock from one individual to another individual. Now these fees and costs used to be pretty high, but over the last 20-30 years, competition and technology have really driven down these trading costs. So that today, individuals like you and I can trade stocks at relatively low costs. Here's an example from Schwab. All investors who make less than 120 trades per year and have less than a million dollars in their Schwab account must pay $13 per trade for all trades that are under a thousand shares. If you want to trade more than a thousand shares, then you pay $13 plus one and a half cents for each share over the 1,000 shares. Now investors who make a lot of trades, so more than 120 trades per year, or have over $1 million in their Schwab account, they only pay $10 per trade for all trades that are less than 1 million shares. Does this commission schedule make sense? Well, it does from Schwab's view. They want to encourage people to trade more or in larger quantities. And that's what they're doing. They say, we'll charge you less to trade if you trade more frequently, or you have a lot of money with us in your account. Transaction costs are important to consider when you make trades because they impact on your returns. So whenever you calculate the returns on your investment, it's important to consider the transaction costs that you paid. If you think about what I would call a round trip trade, you decide to buy a stock, say you want to buy Intel. You have to pay commission fee when you buy the stock. So you then buy Intel and you hold on to that stock. And after two months, you decide you want to sell Intel. The price may have gone up and you want to sell. Well, when you sell, you also have to pay a commissions fee. So just remember when you're calculating your returns that you should also consider the commissions fee that you have paid, both when you bought the stock and when you sold it. Now let's consider margin trading, where a brokerage agrees to lend either money or stock to you that you can use to trade in your account. 
Margin is actually the capital that you, the investor, contribute to your account. Now, if you choose to margin trade, then all the shares in that account will be kept in what they call the street name. This is the name of the brokerage. So if I trade with, if my account is through Schwab or E-Trade, and I choose to borrow money or securities from Schwab or E-Trade, then when, those, when the trades are made in my account, the shares will be held in the name of Schwab or E-Trade rather than in my name. Initially, the margin requirement is normally 50%. In other words, investors have to put in 50% of their investment position with their own capital. So if we want to take a $10,000 position in a stock, we must invest at least $5,000 of our own capital. Now margin trading can be risky for brokerages. Why? Well, there's no guarantees that the position the investor takes will be successful and that they will make money. They may start to lose money on their position. And the brokers need to ensure that investors always have sufficient capital to cover the loans made to them by the brokers. In other words, the brokers don't want to go out of business because you lost a lot of money for them. So what the brokers do is they set a maintenance margin. If the percentage margin falls below a certain maintenance level, a margin call will be issued. And a margin call will mean that the brokerage contacts you immediately and says you must add new cash or securities to your account otherwise we're going to sell the stocks in your account to restore the margin to an acceptable level. If you do not respond to a margin call the brokerage will sell the securities in your account to restore the margin to an acceptable level. These concepts seem fairly abstract and margin trading in reality is actually quite confusing, at least to start with. So what we're going to do now is work through a few examples. In the first example, we're going to consider Jerome, who takes a long position in Doherty Industries. He buys 500 shares at $20 per share, and he's using margin. The initial margin is set by the brokerage at 60%. And we have two questions. First of all, what was Jerome's initial investment and how much does the brokerage loan Jerome? The first thing to do when considering this is to think about what margin really means. And we know that margin is equal to the equity that we put in divided by the value of the position you take in a stock. Now let's consider the example of Jerome. What was Jerome's initial investment? Well, the first thing we need to do is calculate the value of the position. And Jerome took a position of 500 shares at $20 per share. So the value of the original position taken by Jerome was 
Now we can calculate the margin. We know that the initial margin was equal to 60%, which must equal Jerome's initial investment, or equity, divided by value. Well, we know that in this case, the value of the position is $10,000. So we multiply both sides by 10,000 and we find that the initial investment must have been equal to 6,000. How much did the brokerage loan, Jerome? Well, the loan was equal to the value of the position, 10,000, minus Jerome's investment, which was 6,000. So the brokerage loan, Jerome, $4,000. Now let's add some more details to this example. The maintenance margin for Jerome is set at 40%. At what price will Jerome get a margin call? To answer this question, we again start with our basic formula for margin. Now the equity is going to be the value of the stock minus the loan from the brokerage, all divided by the value of the stock. And we know from the previous slide that the brokerage loaned Jerome $4,000. Now we've just got to fill the numbers in to this formula so that we can calculate the stock price that Jerome will get a margin call at. The margin call will occur if the maintenance margin, if the margin hits 40%. And we know that Jerome bought 500 shares. What we don't know is the price of those shares. So Jerome bought them at $20, but now we're thinking forwards about what price will Jerome get a margin call. So we bought 500 shares, so we're going to try and solve for the price. So that's the value of the stock, minus the loan, well the loan is 4,000, divided by the value of the stock, which is 500 times by the price. Let's multiply both sides by 500p, so we get 200p equals 500p minus 4,000, which means 300 times by the share price is equal to 4,000, which leads to the price being equal to 4,000 divided by 300, which equals $13.33. So if the price falls to $13.33, Jerome will get a margin call. And you can check this. You can just plug 
13.33 into the formula for margin and you'll find that the answer, the margin will come to 40%. Is there a way that Jerome could avoid getting a margin call? Well, you could use a stop loss sell to avoid the margin call. Jerome bought the shares at $20 per share. Now, if Jerome is very concerned about making a loss, he could place a stop loss sell order, maybe at $15. And that would limit his losses. So as soon as the price fell to $15, the shares would be sold for Jerome and his losses would be stopped at that point. And that would mean he avoids the margin call. Now you may be thinking, why would we want to use margin trading? Well, we're going to use an example to show you why you might want to use margin trading. Again, we're building on this example where Jerome takes a long position in Adoherty Industries and buys 500 shares at $20 per share. Now the broker requires interest on the loan and the interest charges half a percent per month. Now suppose the stock increases in value by 10% after one month. Jerome then sells the stock and repays his loan. What we want to know is what is the rate of return for Jerome? Now some people may think the rate of return has got to be 10% because the stock went up by 10%. So let's see if that intuition is correct. So to calculate the rate of return, the first thing we need to do is calculate the gain or loss. Now what did we do? Well first of all, so Adoherty Industries increased in value by 10%. So that means the stock price went from 20 to 22. And we know that at that time, Jerome then sold the stock at $22 to get rid of his position. If Jerome sold, so Jerome sold at $22, how much money did he get from selling at $22? Well, he got 22 times by the 500 shares, which equals $11,000. Now he has to pay back the brokerage. So he has to give back the $4,000 that he borrowed from the brokerage. In addition, he has to also pay back interest on the loan at half a percent a month. And we've only borrowed the stock, we've only borrowed the $4,000 for one month, so that's all he's got to pay back. We're going to pay back $4,000 times by 1.005 because we've also got that five that half a percent interest so we have to repay $4,020 now we can calculate our gain the gain is going to be 11,000 minus the amount we repay to the brokerage 
minus our initial investment, which was 6,000, which gives us a gain of $980. Now we can calculate returns. And the return is going to be the gain or loss divided by our initial investment. In this case, we made $980 and the investment was $6,000 initially, which equals 0.1633, which equals 16.33%. Look what happens when we were margin trading. The stock increased by 10% during the month, but Jerome earned 16% in the month. This was because he was using margin trading or leverage. And leverage meant that he could increase the size of his positions. He should have, if he hadn't been using leverage, he would only have been able to trade $6,000 worth of the stock. But because he could borrow money from the brokerage, he could trade more. So margin trading increases your leverage or the amount that you can trade. So it has the potential to increase your gains. It also has the potential to increase your losses if you get things wrong. So it's important to understand why you would use margin trading and to appreciate the dangers associated with margin trading. Now let's think about margin trading and short selling at the same time. In this example, Rose asks her broker to short sell 100 shares of Cedarberg Technologies stock at its current price of $100. The broker has an initial margin requirement of 50%. Again, we have two questions. What was Rose's initial investment? And how much does the brokerage loan Rose? When we think about short selling, our definition of margin changes slightly. So the margin is going to be equal to cash from the short sale. So if you short sell a stock, you get the cash initially, plus the capital that you invested into your account, minus the loan from the brokerage. And all of that is going to be divided by the value of the stock. So this is our new definition for margin. Let's think about the example here. What did we get when we sold the stock? Well, Rose short sold 100 shares at the price of 100. So Rose received $10,000 initially. She also had to invest some money, but we don't know how much. And what was her loan? Well, in this case, the loan 
was stock. It was a hundred shares. And the brokerage loaned those shares to her at a price of $100. So the initial loan was for 100 shares at $100. The value of the position initially is 10,000 because the price is 100 and we short sold 100 shares. What we can see here is that initially the value of the loan and the amount of money you got from short selling initially are the same. So they cancel out. So we're left with margin being equal to the capital that you invest in the account divided by the value of the position. We know that the initial margin is set to 50%. So we can now calculate how much money Rose invested initially. If we multiply both sides by 10,000, we find that Rose must have invested $5,000 initially into her account. Now, how much does the brokerage loan rose? Well, here, this is a bit different from the long position we considered with Jerome. Here, the loan is shares. It's not cash. The loan is shares. Rose has borrowed 100 shares of Cedarberg Technology from the brokerage. So this loan is nothing to do with cash. Rose will have to repay shares. Now suppose the maintenance margin on Rose's account is also set at 40%. When will Rose get a margin call? We're going to use the same formulas as on the previous slide. And this is always the key when you look at margin trading is to write down the formula and then plug the numbers in. So we know that the margin is going to be equal to the cash from the short sale initially, plus the capital invested by rows, minus the loan, all divided by the value of the stock. Now let's add in the numbers. The maintenance margin is 40%. We know that when we sold, or when Rose sold the stock, she received $10,000 because the stock was worth 100 and she sold 100 shares. We also know that Rose invested $5,000 of her own money into the account. Now we just have to consider the loan. The loan is for 100 shares. What we don't know is the price. So at what price will Rose get the margin call? We need to solve for this price. What's the value of the stock? It's going to be 100 times by the price. 
First thing to do now is multiply both sides by 100 times by p, which gives us 40p is equal to 10,000 plus 5,000 minus 100p. So if we add 100p to both sides, we get 140p equals $15,000. So P must be equal to 15,000 divided by 140, which equals 107.14 dollars. So Rose will receive a margin call if the price of Cedarberg technology stock rises to 107.14. At that point, Rose will have to either put in more cash or the brokerage will buy back the stocks on Rose's behalf until the margin rises to an acceptable level. Rose could avoid a margin call by using a stop buy order. So Rose may be concerned about this possibility of receiving a margin call and so she could place a stop buy order at $105. That would mean if Cedarberg technology stock rose to $105, as soon as it hit $105, an order would be placed by Rose to buy the shares back at 105 and she could then return these shares to the brokerage. That would mean she's stopped her losses and she would avoid the margin call. As the final part of this example, let's consider the returns on Rose's position. So suppose Rose decides to short sell and after she sold, Cedarberg Technology stock actually increases by 5% from $100 to $105 after one month. In addition, Cedarberg Technology also pays a dividend of $2.50 per share. Rose's broker also requires interest of half a percent per month on the original dollar value of the loan. After the month, Rose buys back the stock at $105 and returns it to the broker. And the question for us is, what's the rate of return? We're going to start again by considering, first of all, the gain or loss. So Rose has to buy back the stock at 105. That's going to give us a cost of $10,500 to buy back 100 shares. She also has to consider the cost of the dividend because while Rose had borrowed the stocks from the broker, Cedarberg paid out a dividend of $2.50 per share. Because Rose borrowed the shares from the brokerage, she also has to pay them the dividend that they would have received. So she's going to have to pay 100 times by $2.50 
which is $250. In addition, the brokerage also charged her interest on the original dollar value of the loan. Now, the original dollar value was equal to $10,000 because they loaned Rose the shares when the price was 100. So we have an interest charge which is going to be equal to 10,000 times by half a percent. So we have an interest charge of $50. We also got an initial cash inflow from the short sale and that cash inflow was $10,000. As soon as we as soon as Rose short sold the stocks at $100 each, she received $10,000. Now we can calculate the gain or loss. We initially received $10,000. We then bought back the stock at $10,500. So we had an outflow of cash of $10,500. We also had to pay for the dividend. And we also had to pay an interest charge. So the gain or loss on this was minus... 800. Now we can calculate returns. The return is going to be equal to the gain or loss divided by the initial investment. In this case Rose lost $800 and her initial investment was $5,000. She was required by the brokerage to invest $5,000. So her return is minus 0.16 which is equal to minus 16%. This highlights the dangers of margin trading. In this example Rose had been hoping that the value of Cedarberg Technologies stock would fall. In fact she got it wrong and the stock price rose. As a result she made a loss and that loss was far greater in percentage terms than the percentage increase in Cedarberg Technologies stock price. The stock price increased only by 5% but Rose lost 16%. That's everything that I'd like to talk about for today. See you in class.